you go home, do you spend like an hour just wandering through the house looking for your shit? And I just mean anything, like deodorant. Let me, even better question. When you go home, are you ever confused about which toothbrush is yours? Or if, or do you wonder if, if anyone else has ever used it? No. Okay. These are not things I, I worry too much about. Well, this is, this is yet another entry in um, stories that Jonathan can tell to scare other people away from having five children. <laughs> because I have not been certain. I mean, I, I mean I've had like an idea. <laughs> I've, I've been reasonably sure, but I have not been certain which toothbrush is mine. I mean, certain, mm-hmm. at least 10 years. Are you, what, okay, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Levi, I just grab one out of the big Your jar like an animal. Your whole uses and I brush my the teeth. same toothbrush container? Yeah. Okay. There's your, there, that, I there's. See, see, but I, I, I'm ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some years back, I thought, well, this is clearly the problem. I'll just get a separate one. There are so many people in the house, and it's a small house. It's mm-hmm. one bathroom, you know, mm-hmm. seven people, one bathroom. Mm-hmm. Jesus, talk about it. In a podcast anyway, studio. In a podcast studio, in the laundry room. <laughs> But I thought, obviously, the problem is that we're just, you know, it's just the, the toothbrush bucket needs to be broken up, right? Right. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to keep my toothbrush somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But this is back to my original point. It doesn't matter where I put it. Somebody will find it, and what will they, they'll put it back in the big bolo brush mm-hmm. in, the, in the bathroom. And it's not just my toothbrush. Like, you saw me looking for the batteries earlier. Right. I did. Oh, okay. I, my deodorant this morning couldn't find it, but I did put it on before you came over. Things I, disappear. Thank I, you for that, by the way. I went, I went through the entire house looking for it. You know where I found it? Where? Windowsill behind a curtain. <laughs> Don't you keep your deodorant on a, in a, on a windowsill behind the curtains? Always. That's, that's just the logical place to put it. Also, fingernail you clippers. Warm Look up. at this bullshit. Like, these need some clipping. Oh, not as not I mean, as it's, I'm not mine. like, you know, I'm not Dracula level here. No, but, but at least you don't chew on them. Well, you know, I do. Not, not for a while. It's terrible. I broke myself of that habit. Anyway, I, I bring up just wandering. Mm-hmm. Um, because number one, I've decided I'm going to buy a little safe. <laughs> and most people put like um, money or firearms You're in gonna, a safe. What else do people put in safes? Uh, gold. Used to porn. Jewelry. But that's all online. Jewelry. 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 Well, I'm going to get a little safe, and the only thing I'm going to put in it is my toothbrush. Mm-hmm. Uh, my deodorant. Right. And some nail clippers. Right. I bring the essentials. Up, yeah, but the movie this week. Survival. Mm-hmm. Yellow Brick Road. Right. Is also about a group of people who are wandering lost looking for something. Right. Um, so that's my segue. What did you think of Yellow Brick Road? Oh, okay. So um, Yellow Brick Road uh, was, uh, uh, I guess it re- released in 2010. It It's a sleeper. It's a slow burn. It is. I like slow burn films. By the end of the film, though, I felt as confused as the characters, which might have been intentional. Uh, I'll talk. I'll talk about some of the like camera stuff. Yeah. The director, the little tricks he uses. Uh, but overall, it's it's kind of like I get what they're trying to do. I like uh, found footage films. Sometimes they have their place. But and this isn't necessarily a found footage film. It, it kind of feels like it though. It does at feel sometimes. Like um, and it had a very strong beginning. Beginning <laughs> had a very strong beginning and a very weak ending. So like towards you know that it, it kind of starts with a lot of excitement and me being excited to watch it and then towards the end it, i'm like lulled to sleep almost and then the strange ass ending happens yeah 
but it is it it is worth uh watching for horror nerds because it's all psychological horror which is kind of uh what i like there is a little body horror in it which uh, the effects in the film there's not a lot but they are good as far as like character development holy god you know lovecraft would have hated this because oh, yeah. there's character development but it's uh, you you start like you like the characters you you really do because you you've met some of these people it feels like you know um, and this is um go ahead one of the things i like so much about this is that so this is a, a relatively low budget movie obviously yeah i couldn't there, find much on it there aren't um there aren't any really big name actors in it no in fact uh most of the cast and crew were um graduate of a drama department in a college in vermont or at a college in Vermont. So, you know, it doesn't have um, star power per se. No. Um, didn't have a huge budget. But what I love about this, and, and I want to talk a little bit about the type of movie this is, mm-hmm. um, specifically whether or not you would call this a B movie, but we'll get to mm-hmm. that. But what I love about this is um, this is a serious effort. Yeah, it, it it's, is. It's a serious effort. It's a competent effort. It sounds like I'm damning it with faint praise, but I really like this movie. But it's a serious effort. It's a competent effort. Mm-hmm. It doesn't... You know, it doesn't take the sort of easy road of trying to be just silly and fun. Uh, no. It tries to be a legitimately scary. Yeah, it, it takes itself seriously. Yeah, disturbing yeah. horror movie. And and I and, and again, I think when I say it's competently done, I, I don't mean that damning and faint praise. I mean mean that as a serious yeah. uh, compliment. Yeah. It, um, the intention of the director is is pretty obvious from the get-go. I mean, even from the performances by the actors, he wanted a lot out of them. You know, they spent like 20 days in the middle of nowhere, New Hampshire, to make this film. And you can feel that. Yeah. Um, I think it said on IMDb that uh, the cast and crew started to have like nightmares throughout the filming of this. Um, It is weird. Like, it's all, you know, it's a huge psychological horror film. I can see where it was psychologically taxing for the, um, the actors and the crew. Especially if you're actually going to live out in the middle of nowhere to shoot it. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they even stayed at a hotel or anything. I think they might have done the whole rough it. Which which makes me like the film more. I like to think that that's what they did, but who knows? You like that method stuff. Oh, yeah. You know I do. <laughs> but, yeah, overall, um, you're, you're right. It It is a B-movie. But I don't think its intention was to be saw or to to be seen as anything but a student film almost. You know, there the cast and crew was were all students together. It's something I feel like all film department, theater department nerds get together and do. You know, you have this dream of creating a film together and and that, you know, kind of blossoming your careers. A lot of these actors have been in other things since then, so I feel like that's it good. Did I didn't look that up. I'm, I'm glad for that careers, because yeah. I thought I thought many of them did a really good job. The lead actor, um, right, is pretty fantastic. The guy leading the expedition into the woods. So the lead actor, uh, his name is uh, Michael Lorino, and um, man, he really hasn't been in a lot. The others have, for instance, the two people, the two people that play the brother and sister. Mm-hmm. They're actually brother and sister in real life. Her name is Cassidy Freeman, uh, and his name is Clark Freeman. And she's been in Smallville. Uh, I recognize her from The Righteous Gemstones, uh, that uh, HBO with... Um, He's been, oh, I know, I know exactly yeah, who you're yeah, talking yeah. about. But Danny I can't McBride. Remember the last name. There you go. Yeah, with, with, uh, I recognize her from that show. 
She's also in uh, like some NCIS stuff. She was in a terrible horror film called Fender Bender. I bet this is the only film she's ever been in where she gets her entire leg ripped off by her own brother, though. That's true. I didn't want to spoil that. But we can talk about that. He, her brother, Clark, uh, the guy who plays Daryl, he's in Narcos, and he's in Parks and Rec. I recognize him from Parks and Rec, and he's in NCIS. Okay, so... Well, I love the setup of this. So this, you know, while we're talking about the things that we like, the setup of this movie just gets me from the go, right? Right. So Very quickly, so there are these, these two people who are trying to solve an age-old disappearance of an entire town, basically. And they go through... To introduce the audience, us, to this, they kind of show a little documentary almost about what happened Yeah, uh, in this little town in New Hampshire. So the setup is is that in the 40s, mm-hmm. uh, all of the residents of a little town, for reasons unknown, got up one day and walked into the woods. Yeah, and disappeared, basically. And basically, yeah, all disappeared. Well, bodies are later found, some mm-hmm. of them, but most of the, of the residents are simply never found again. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have to have a lone survivor. Yes, there is a lone survivor. Uh, I guess is found having gone crazy mm-hmm. and, you know, mumbling nonsense about whatever they saw or heard in the woods. Yep. Just a great setup. I mean, I'm it's in a, right there, is. right? In the modern and day. He says, can't you hear that? Yes, you know, can't you and, hear that? Yeah. And that always gets me when they're interviewing the like lone survivor and they can see or hear something we can't yet. Because you know you're going to. You know, oh, when he says, can't you hear that? You know you're going to figure out what the hell oh, yeah. They're, yeah. he's talking about. Somebody else is going to hear that. That's coming. But then that's it. Like, that's the beginning. And then we get to where basically this photographer journalist wants to take myth and turn it into actual Yes, wants to solve history. Yeah, yeah, solve this mystery of of what happened. Because they don't even know if it actually happened. It it could be a legend. You know, this documentary that that we see at the beginning could be. It's basically just um, stock photos and and newspaper articles and such. It's a great compressed Mm -hmm. little opening. Like you said, it it looks like a little sort of documentary in and of there's a little interview itself. Yeah, Yeah. and then. um, but it's not very long. It's a few no. minutes. And yeah, it's like boom, five minutes. Yeah. There's all this context for the movie. You're already kind of creeped mm-hmm. out. Who doesn't love a missing colony yeah. mystery? No, and it, it feels a lot like a short story. And that's I really liked the beginning of this film. They waste no time setting up what you're going what you should expect. But for relatively inexperienced filmmakers, mm-hmm. I mean, just again, first ten minutes, first yeah, five no. minutes. Amazing. Solid, clean. Uh, right into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. And then we're introduced to the characters and they have, I wrote this down. They have the, the like quintessential fellowship quote unquote shot around the breakfast table. Gotta have it where the, the camera just kind of circles them. And it's, it's exactly run there. No, but I'm not, it's exactly like, uh, alien where they're all smoking and talking about the company and wanting to get paid more. And this is all bullshit. Cause they need They're supposed to go home and, so on and so forth. And I, I felt like this director absolutely pulled from that. We've seen that in other films too. Like I, I was talking, um, the first mission impossible has that scene where they're all sitting around, yeah. you know, like drinking their cups of coffee. One of them's like tossing a knife up in the air back and forth. You know, it's, it felt very much like that, but you called this a B movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I want to argue with that. First of all, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What's a B movie. If you if you right now mm-hmm. Levi Horn have to define mm-hmm. what is a B movie in 2021, what's your definition? Um, that it doesn't fall 
basically that it doesn't fall under the uh, marquee of a major production studio and or major indie production studio. Um, so like A24 has become this production studio that's put out these indie films, but they're slowly becoming more and more popular. Um, also, they don't, none of these actors had been in anything that we know of before this. That also institutes a B movie for me. Another like red flag, how I knew this was a B movie before I even, even looked into it or, or, or looked up the IMDb page was that the poster for it is just a um, edited screen cap from the film. Ah, marketing and, budget. And so that's also a big sign to me that it's a B film. I don't know. I like, I don't know. It just, I have this, there's I, this I can already feel, pick at that definition though, but there's this feel it has. Your definition it, basically says that, you know, that you determine whether or not a something is a B movie by who makes it. Right. And how much money it has. Right. But Which, not, not necessarily how much money it has. But that, but that precludes the possibility of a terrific movie. I'm not saying B movies are bad. That that's not a score but, but, for but me. But what does it mean though? To me, it means like because it NBA, used to have this connotation NBA, of, and yeah. then there's the D League in the NBA, or oh. or Major League Baseball, and really? then the you're minor. Gonna, you're going to come into yeah. my laundry room and drop a sports metaphor. <laughs> this <Yes>. laundry room, <laughs> you're going to drop a sports yes. metaphor. Well, it's you like, some... well uh, Stephen King. You know, he he's into baseball. Let's do some baseball here. We give it's Stephen major... King certain liberties. True. Okay. Major League versus minor league. And it's not some... I mean, I'll go to a minor league game and ju have just as much fun as I would go into a major league game. Yeah. So it's not it's not quality. It's, it's a feel, almost. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Call me snooty. But uh, if the actor's never been in anything worth a shit, I kind of have a hard time believing them. Although, we were talking earlier, a lot of these performances are are pretty good. Some of them felt really forced though. Well, I, I, I pulled some definitions of B movies because I, I think I have a sort of working definition for myself, but again, I, I think B movie is one of those terms that is lost. You think B movie means quality? No, actually. Okay. Not exactly. Okay. So here's one from definitions.net that I thought was interesting. A okay. B movie is a low budget commercial motion picture that is not definitively an art house or pornographic film. Like those can't be the same thing, art house and porn. Oh, uh, whoa, uh, whoa! There's, I can't believe they even included pornography in this. Okay, go in ahead. its original usage during the golden age of Hollywood, the term more precisely identified a film intended for distribution as the less publicized bottom half of a double feature, which I did not know. Oh, I didn't know that either. So mm. they would, you know, movies would come out in pairs, and and so yeah. a B movie was basically the opening act, right? Mm -hmm. Even right. though it would, I guess, be played safe. Well, that's how they. Um People got to view uh, Hammer films. Yeah, were the double feature. Yeah, and some of them were absolutely B movies. But here's one from Wikipedia. Uh huh. A B movie or B film is a low budget commercial motion picture that is not an art house film. In its original usage during the golden age of Hollywood, the term more precisely identified films intended for distribution as the less publicized bottom half of a double feature. Okay. Yeah. So same. Yeah. However, the U.S. production of movies intended as second features largely ceased by the end of the 1950s. And then with the emergence of commercial television at that time, film studio B-movie production departments changed into television production divisions, making much of the same type of content 
oh, and low budget movies. That's and why I okay. hate television. So, so, and it goes on. In its post golden age usage, there is ambiguity on both sides of the definition. On the one hand, the primary interest of many inexpensive exploitation films is prurient. Love that word, prurient. Mm. Hard as hell to say. On the other, many B-movies display a high degree of craft and aesthetic ingenuity. So it's rare that I think Wikipedia has a really good nuanced take on something, Mm -hmm. but this is a good nuanced take on something. Yeah. Because actually, I think, yeah, there is a kind of conundrum now. On the one hand, the primary interest of many inexpensive exploitation films is prurient. On the other, many B-movies display a high degree of craft and aesthetic ingenuity, which is why for me, I just don't I, – I, I don't want to use B-movie to mean not quite as good as the same movie would might have been right. with more money and a better cast. No, I – okay. I, I, I get what you're saying there, and I don't want to use the term B-movie as a subpar film that didn't have enough money either. I just – there's just that feel to it. I don't I – can't, I can't describe it. I think you're right, and I think I know what you're getting, I'm just getting at when you talk big about studio, the studio, big studio snob, I guess. But for me, for me, the definition of a B movie is a movie that a movie that is not at all shy mm-hmm. about not being serious. Right, like it's a movie engaged in something fundamentally unserious. Tongue right? in cheek, to some degree, like the tone's going to be tongue in cheek, but like you know, uh, the Reanimator. Yeah, a lot of eighties B movies. Yeah, so like I would call that a B. I would call that a B movie, but for me, it's a categorical rather than like qualitative term, right? Because you know, the Reanimator is not trying to do anything serious. No, but it's a fantastic film. But it's trying to have a huge amount of fun, Mm -hmm. and it wants to have the best the best production values that it can. Oh, it's it's one of my favorites, and it does not get you know. It's titled H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator. It's nothing like. The fucking story. But just kind of like Dagon last week. Let's talk more about the film because I want to talk about where it starts to lack. Because we've talked about where it's great. Great setup. Great opening. Man, it is good. Um, and it, it, and like I've talked said, a little bit about the performances. But, slow burn. Right. You know, but but it holds you. It's not like, you It know, does. You want to see the, the finale. You want to see how this all plays out because it is very... Ambiguous, yeah, yeah um, on what's actually going on. It could be a number of fucking things, yeah. and they never really give you a hint. So, But that basic setup, you got a group of people trying to solve a mystery, right. and now they've decided to head into the woods mm-hmm. on the same path, mm-hmm. essentially, that the original townspeople So took. the GPS coordinates they got from the survivor uh, actually get, um, led them to an old theater, uh, where the marquee reads, Coming Soon, The Great Game, which I thought was, could be telling of what's going on. Um, uh, so they, they kind of almost want to give up already. Yeah, before they even get to the woods. Yeah, and then they uh, there's this um, spooky looking uh, girl that kind of insinuates that she might know what's really going on and that they're at the wrong location. Because everyone in town knows where the real trailhead and is. And doesn't want any strangers peeking their heads around these parts. So, which I felt was uh, a, a trope we've covered a lot in, in, in horror. Uh, the, the whole townsfolk. The you harbinger. Know. You've got to have somebody saying this is a bad idea. It, right. You, you probably shouldn't do and this. And then you'll end up being the one that says it's a bad idea. Um, when they're at the theater, though... It's noted that the uh, Wizard of Oz was left in the projector of the old movie theater uh, while the town disappeared, and it played over and over and over and over and over again. So that's an interesting little detail. 
one thing I noticed, I guess, pretty early on, <laughs> our main uh, character's name is um, Teddy, and his wife's name is Melissa, played by Anissa Ramsey. And she has a pretty terrible fake tattoo, and I don't know why. I don't know if you noticed it. They gave her a tattoo, and it and and, and it's it, God. I hope it's fake because it's a terrible <laughs> one. It's it's just it's this, uh, this terrible heart with like thorns wrapped around it. Well, it's she's just, she's working more now. You said so she can probably afford. She probably to have got it, it covered up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, was it terrible! And I ha- it was so bad I had to write it down. But as the film goes on, and they're and they're you know they're getting kind of kumbaya about building fires and camping and 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 mapping out this location and. They have a filmmaker with them, and he's asking them questions. And right from the get-go, I kind of understand that the filmmaker is asking these questions to see if people are still grounded in reality. Like, they're basic questions. And well, they took, like, a psychologist with them. Right, yeah. yeah. And that's the guy behind yeah. the camera that's asking them the questions, yeah. yeah. So he's conducting a sort of, like, mental health checkups, basically, mm-hmm. to make sure. Every that, day, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is interesting and kind of like teases you on to what could happen later. Yeah, And then uh, they find a hat in the middle of the woods, correct? Yes. And it's like a 1940s era fedora fedora yeah. hat. And and one of the girls is just can't stand it for some reason. And But her brother, he wants to wear it. So that starts something. And the cut by this time the cuts start to get quicker and as the film goes on and and I think it's to start to disorient the audience. Yeah, uh, I liked that little trick. Yeah, it, it's it, effective. It messed me up too. I was like, wait, where is it? Daytime right now? Like, where? How much farther in time have we jumped? And that's intentional. And then you know? of course they start to hear the music. Right. There's like static being played at some point. It almost sounds like they're in a field with loudspeakers. But they can't find the speaker or the source of the music and the static. And it's all 1940s era uh, specific music. And that's like the first, what? That, that takes us up to 30 minutes, 40 minutes? Man, I was so shocked when I, see, I saw how the much violence, time was left yeah. in the film after the big the violent big. take happens. So That slow burn... Goes up until mm-hmm. I forget the minute mark, 30, 40 minutes. And man, when it breaks, yeah, they start to. Okay. I've never seen it's middle. I can't recall a shift mm-hmm. this like sudden, yeah, unexpected, dramatic, and yet it works, right? It, it's <laughs> you can tell they're already starting to lose their tempers a little bit. It's weird. So people are a little more down and they're, they're shorter with each other. Yeah, they've and, had that night where everything's shot in black and white and they're getting right drunk around a fire. Yeah. And they got start wasted. To kind of turn. And, yeah. Yeah. And I don't remember, I can't really recall what happens where like someone starts crying or they want to go home. I think it's Jill. Uh, the character's name is Jill. And so they decided to take a break. Well, while they're taking a break, the brother and sister want to go map out the area. So, yeah, they're basically a, a cartography team. Mm-hmm. And they don't seem very Surveyors, excited about it. Yeah, they uh, the whole film, they're very excited to be out here mapping the area. And then at this point, they don't see it. Like, something's wrong. So they go off to map the area. And while they're mapping... She one of the sister drops the instrument and the little this, surveyor doohickey. This uh 
really sets off the brother. And then, of course, she opens up about how she hates the hat, and he needs to take off the damn hat. And then they start Just to nag, argue. Nag, yeah, yeah. They're they're all they're both nagging at each other, and then they and, go and, at each and other. And of course, like, he does the only reasonable thing in this situation. Well, which is that he pulls one of her legs off. Right. So I was getting to and that. And it's not a Jonathan. prosthetic. Okay. No. It's, no. It's a leg. Yeah. Yeah. No. So like, um, they sh- they show them wrestling on the hill, and then I guess the other campers see it, but they're at a, a long distance, so they have to get the binoculars out to see what's going on, but they hear what's going on. That was a great touch, too, because yeah, they're like too that. far away. Yeah, yeah, to they're just anything. far away enough yeah. that they can, there's nothing they can do about it. And so we see him like rip part of her cheek off and then tear her leg off, which <clears throat> I thought is not possible. I just don't think... I mean, I saw him like smash something up against her leg. Like maybe he was smashing a rock up against her leg, and then I thought he it was like it. a sharp rock. Yeah, yeah, maybe that that was it. And then the it's it's really effective. There's just this slow hum. There's no sound after that, and you see everyone's reaction to kind of what's going on, and that's it. And it's really effective, you know, because holy fuck, what just happened? You're thinking the same thing they are. You're numb to everything else. It's insane. And so so murderer brother runs off and they the group gets back together and kind of forms what they're going to do from here on out. So they send two guys to go find the murderous brother. I don't think it's enough guys. You just watch somebody yank off right. like his own sister's leg. But completely separated at from this his body. point, Jill's I mean, two guys alone in the woods. You, right. Wouldn't you just leave the guy and head back? Right. At this point, Jill's crying and wants to go home, and some people are trying to console her, and blah blah blah. Uh, they they run. They find Daryl, the murderous brother, and he's kind of like breaking down, and they they admit that they've had murderous thoughts the past couple of days too. And there's also this awesome, this line that I really liked. Which was uh, from the protagonist. He said, how did this happen? A moment ago, we were fine. And the the National Park guy next to him goes, no, no, we weren't. So they're saying, like, there's been signs of us building to this, but no one's yeah. recognized them. Which I thought was kind of conducive to our um, climate right now in the world. Not our, not necessarily the the actual climate, but the way the world's going right now. You know, uh, what what happened? You know, a moment ago we were all fine. No, we weren't. Well, it's like yeah. I mean, it's the the whole slowly but suddenly thing, mm-hmm. right? The way that people go bankrupt or sometimes right. crazy. It's like you know, you were headed there for a mm-hmm. long time before whatever happened actually pushed it over the edge. And then uh, uh, we're revealed that they're suddenly out of cell service, which is something we've talked about, why I don't like modern horror movies, because you have to put that in there. Well, yeah, and and so they've got an excuse for that, because, of course, now they want to go home and they can't. Yeah. Because not only are the cell phones not working, the compasses aren't working. Nope. None of their surveying equipment is working. So, And they find the map. The map stuff, and they and it's revealed that he's literally been like riding gibberish down the whole time, which I which thought is was a real awesome. all work and no play yeah, makes yeah. Jack a dull boy moment. I thought it was like a shining yeah. Stephen King Lovecraft moment. I think too, the there. ending is too. Actually, I think that's why it doesn't work. It's a reach, but we'll get to yeah. that. Um, and so, so they can't go anywhere. They can't go anywhere. They can't they, go home. Apparently, the map only uh, the map only adds up when you're going forward north. 
but not when you look back or go side to side, which I kind of thought what might have been a social context to uh, our own views of our past are skewed by our own perception of it. And I don't know, maybe I was reaching there, but what's interesting about the second half of the movie is that at this point you're, it's just, you're lost in the woods Mm -hmm. with at least one murderer and everyone else is going insane. Yeah. And there's bad berries everywhere too. Oh yeah, that's right. We forgot the bad berries. The the bad berries. So there's a national, national, uh, forest service guy with them. And he points out that there's belladonna berries, uh, everywhere. And that the, they do not need to eat those. Uh, belladonna bad, belladonna poison. So that's something that's dropped in pretty early. But t- towards where we're getting, they two of them take eat the berries to get high. So the the national the sorry I keep saying the national the like uh, forest service guy says he has eaten them before like an idiot and they got him high. But if you eat too much, it's poison. So <laughs> they eat them to get high. Like, okay, so this is after they split up. Remember, they split up. Yeah, because that's that always leads to good results right. in a horror movie. And this this whole movie, guys, you're again the the greatest horror trope is you're screaming at the screen saying, "What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> don't, don't do that!" And don't go in there. No, yeah. And so it's of course they've split up. Bad decision. And we've yelled at the screen plenty of times by now. What the hell are you doing? So. One of them, uh, or two of them, decide they want to go west, and the rest of them want to go south. They've lost the trail at this Which point. Which means nothing, because the compasses don't work. So. Yeah, so they, they have no idea what true west, or true south, or true north is. So they split up. The um, the weird girl from the town and the uh, Forest Service guy go west, and the rest go south. So the two folks that went west are the ones that eat the belladonna berries to get high. Can we talk about that decision for a minute? Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to do. Why? We're lost in the... I mean, you know, there's the old saying, gather ye rosebuds while ye may. I'm not mm. sure they meant gather ye belladonna berries while ye may. Right. If while ye may includes being lost in what seems to be some sort of supernatural area of the and forest dying. while a lunatic yeah. tries to murder you. Right. Um. I, is this like... Is that it, though? Is this like, well... They don't really seem resigned to dying. No. At the same time, they're not doing anything to particularly help themselves. I'm just... They just make poor decisions. And, and <laughs> just, I feel like they haven't such poor gone decisions. anywhere. Like, they just... I, I don't know. You know well, at this point, they're basically walking in circles in a haunted wood. Yeah, and, he's, and he notices... He says, is it ever going to get darker than this? You know, like... And I thought that was interesting uh, because maybe they couldn't afford to shoot at night anymore. And so they just <laughs> shot during the day and threw that in there. But that that was – and I thought, well, maybe that's because they're tripping on the berries. But he admits that he's had the same thoughts that Daryl had, which was he's been having thoughts of murdering. And so she needs to tie him up. So she does. And he lets her. And then he says he – She's got to kill him. Yeah, at this point, everybody's just going nuts. Everyone's nuts, and you except as, the the only one who stays, you know, sort of focused on the on the end game here, on the goal, is uh, the guy leading the expedition. Who yeah, just and no that, matter what happens, problem, just though. tries to keep pressing toward. Teddy, yeah, yeah, but that's his that's his fucking problem. Oh yeah, no, he's gone crazy in his own because way because his wife and his best friend and Jill go south, and so he's going with them, and. This this was crushing to me. Like he 
he sleeps with his wife and there's someone like calling out to him in the distance while that's happening and she's saying he can't see us stay with me i didn't get that part really i guess that that might have been their friend i don't know or it could have been daryl or it could have been the usher i don't know but so the very next morning she wakes up and he's fucking gone and she's screaming no, you know, and all this. And so he had to go north to find the answer to his big question that he made everybody go out here for. Which uh, eventually gets us to the ending. So right, right up until that ending, mm-hmm. I thought I knew exactly what kind of a movie this was. Me, me too. Because and, and, I, people, and I liked it. Everyone dies off. So so I thought I thought what we were watching mm-hmm. was a horror of the absurd movie. Right. Where. You know, the, these people are trying to solve the mystery of a lost colony, mm-hmm. and in their hubris, think that it's going to work out differently for them right. than it did for the first group of people who walked down this path in the woods. Because why? Science, technology. Right. We've got all these gizmos with us that, you know, no matter what, we can get out. Yeah. Right. And of course, they find themselves in a place that doesn't, where what they understood to be reality doesn't apply. And so, like, so, and I was so into that. Me too. Well, because it was well done. And, and, and it had the moment where. The girl from the town admitted that she kind of lied about everything and she knew what was going on and and that the reason you don't leave the trail is because the trail knows you and blah, blah, blah. And she snaps the dude's neck and then kind of lies down with a bunch of belladonna berries and just starts eating all of them so we assume she was she was seemed pretty shifty from the beginning yeah she did and then one night jill eats all their snacks with the other group and is so guilty that she commits she jumps off a cliff and kills herself and that was a good jump scene yeah it was and then the last basically the last two alive besides our protagonist is our protagonist's wife and his best friend. And it's kind of revealed that he has been in love with her the whole time. And that's why he didn't find anyone because she's like, how come you're still alone? You know, all these years you've been best friends with me and my husband. And it's kind of like, anyway, he ends up recording himself slitting his wrists and telling, uh, his best friend's wife to, be with him while he's doing it, so don't look away from the recording. And she watches it. And then it's revealed that murderous Daryl is right behind her. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was... And so, of course... Oh, Daryl. He he cuts just her been throat. creeping around in the woods the whole time. He cuts her throat, and then is kind of just crawling off in the woods. And then we get to the protagonist. And, and, and then I... And, so I'm right there with it. Right. Like it's horrible. It's grim. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's been, it's, it's done well. Mm-hmm. I thought up until that point. And again, I think I know what kind of movie we're watching. Yeah. He sends a final message to his wife over the, over the walkie talkies, even though they don't really work anymore. And so I expect the guy who's looking, you know, still tracking, trying to get to the end of the trail is just mm-hmm. going to die in the woods like everybody else. Yeah. Cause he's like dragging himself at, at this point. And then that doesn't happen. No, he gets to a, fucking theater door in the middle of the woods just suddenly almost. like not yeah. re- no real transition they don't show the outside of it they don't show where he is but it's the same of fucking course it's the theater, theater from, the beginning. from the beginning and here's what i think first of all that's a terrible ending right 
because it, it lends itself to all sorts of just straight up silly interpretations or, you know, maybe it was all a dream. Maybe they were all stuck in the theater, theater the whole time, the whole yeah. time, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and here's where I think they went wrong. I think mm-hmm. you mentioned The Shining before. I think this was yeah. a, this was another nod to The Shining. Right. It's a Shining kind of turn, like where at the end of The Shining, you get the picture right. of Jack Torrance. Yeah. He's been there. The, like you, yeah. you've always been the caretaker, Mister Torrance. Yeah, yeah. Um, the difference <laughs> the difference is it works in The Shining. Right. Partly, I think because there are survivors. Some people and don't. so you know. So I've heard some people not. You know this weird that. this 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 haunted place is is. And this this awful story is taking place, and still what we consider to be bedrock reality. There's just this area, like you know, the theory of the bad place where bedrock reality doesn't apply. Right. And that's not where I thought we were in this movie. Me too. But then it's like, no, there's a theater. I don't know. It was just I just thought there's it was a silly. Lazy un- explanation, almost. It's just silly and unnecessary. The guy who plays the usher was at the same time playing the wizard in the Wizard of Oz. Well, uh, sorry, in Wicked. Um, in a San Francisco uh, theater. So maybe it's insinuated that the usher is the Wizard of Oz because they talk about, number one, the show's, the the, the movie's called Yellow Brick Road. Number two, they're all just trying to get back home. Number three, the Wizard of Oz was stuck in the theater uh, film reel while everyone disappeared uh, 100 years ago. And number four, the usher... Um, is literally played by someone who was at the time playing the Wizard of Oz, and it, you know, having all that included at at the beginning right. adds context and sort of creepy depth to everything. Yeah, but, but it's, it's not... like, but then it's like they try to they try to pull that usher in so that he be, so that he serves the same role like Grady did in The Shining, right? But that doesn't work. Mm-mm. Or the bartender Lloyd. I mean, for one thing, those those characters reappear throughout The Shining, right? This guy just bookends this I know, story in I know, a really forced feeling. I way. mean, he's in he's he has like five lines, and he's in the film for two minutes, and it's I don't know. It, it, and then he's shown a film that is basically his. Is it his uh, dead wife, or is it the girl who got her leg ripped off? I don't know. I think it's his dead wife, and he goes insane, and that's the end of the film. Like, and so it, and that's what I mean by such a strong setup for an ending. Yeah. Or for 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 a beginning and to set up an ending that could have been thought provoking and I mean of course we're talking about it now but we're talking about it because it's fucking lazy not yeah. because and that they tried to pay homage to something that they had no intention to pay homage to from the beginning I think it's like you know if you're going to reference a movie like that again I'm gonna you dropped a sports metaphor so now I'm gonna drop a sports Do metaphor um, you know don't point to the fucking bleachers if you can't hit the ball out there oh god that was bro you nailed it. With that sports analogy, you just knocked it out of the park. Thank you, thank Jonathan. you very much. Yeah. I, I too am a fan of the sports ball. <laughs> oh man, fine film. But let's talk about. I want to talk about something creepy that that possibly inspired this movie. Oh yeah, I know what you're going to bring up. Roanoke. Yeah. So and some, the original Lost Colony. Right. If some of uh, some of you might not be aware of what uh, Roanoke is, it is a uh, colony of. Uh, English Protestants who came to America to set up another civilization. It was a colony. Um, They pissed off the uh, natives in the area. And when they got, when uh, more um, British folks came back to find them, they had all disappeared. To a one and written somewhere was uh, a Croatoan. Croatoan. So here, so here's what I've, there's a whole podcast dedicated to this. 
And then there's like really in-depth episodes as well on other podcasts. They, I, I, so the theory is, is that they actually befriended the Native Americans and were just taken in. And that's why they disappeared. Because there's evidence now of um, British people and that tribe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess there was basically, some... Uh, Intermingling. There were some recent archaeological digs at a, right. at a site not terribly far away. Right, yeah. And, and they found a mix of artifacts they would have expected to find from the Indian tribes that live there, Native American tribes that live there. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I'm from Arkansas. But also a mix of, like, tools and pottery items that the colonists would right, have brought. Right, right. There's actually uh, evidence, too, of, like, a gene pool there where they, only in that part of this country, are there the same amount of... You can tell where they... The, oh, you mean the, the two they, populations intermingle? Yeah, yeah, intermingle. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, that's another... That's more evidence that... that that's cool of them for the right, time. exactly. And that's what I like about it. Cool. Because the fuckers that came there that didn't... Weren't willing to do that died. And so... They got they had know, to they had to go disease and they, effect, they, yeah. they had to try to fend for themselves. And guess what? Those poor British bastards didn't really know how to hunt without, you know... Everything that was given to them over in yeah England. no and, and what I read is that this particular colony was like all what would have been middle class citizens right. from they had no idea how to from actually England survive. And so yeah, yeah they yeah. showed up in you know the wilderness and well in some ways that's a much more because for a long time it was just supposed that a disease wiped them out yeah or maybe the Native Americans killed them all right but that's, it looks like right. it looks like actually the Native Americans took pity on them took them in <laughs> well yeah and, well because because fucking guess what. <laughs> like not everybody is out to kill everybody else. 